0: said verily I say unto you there is no man that have left house it's okay to have house but when jesus calls you hath house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's it's a matter of priority. If you follow in Christ, is He number one? Is it your lands? Or is it your family? Because there are times when you've got to put God and the gospel first and above your family. There are times. I must say all the time. There are times. Especially when it comes to truth. Especially when it means. The difference between giving in to what they say versus standing for truth. I'm not saying affirming. I'm not saying to, to upbraid them or rebuke them. I'm not saying just be a witness for truth. Or lands for my sake in the gospels. Now look verse 30. But he that's following Jesus shall receive a hundredfold. Now, in this time, in this life, in other words, in this life, houses, brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, everybody say lands, Lands. with persecutions, don't forget that. And on top of that, in the world to come, eternal life. And many shall be that are first shall be last, and the last first. It's okay to have lands. But it's okay to possess them, but not to be possessed by them. And when Jesus says to get rid of it, like he did to this rich, rich young ruler, that's, that rich young ruler was the poorer for it because he put greater value on his possessions than he did The apostleship that Jesus was offering him, he could have been the replacement for Judas. See, you don't ever know what you're giving up when you're when you're rejecting Christ and what He's calling you to do. But it's okay to have houses, and in this life, it says you can have a hundredfold. You're going to have a hundredfold. I don't, I don't think that's literally what He's saying. Okay that you're going to have 100. You can sell one house, you're going to have 100 instead, although it could be for some people. If you can handle it and you can be the good steward and you wouldn't let it get to your head and you can still handle the money and you can still pay your tithes because all of a sudden you think, oh my goodness, that's so much money. I don't know if I can pay that much. Well, let God take that away from you. Let's get back to where you started from when it was easy to pay tithes. See, 10% is still 10%. Didn't, the percentage didn't change any. And it's your fair share. Hallelujah. And so, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Personal property and possessions. Uh, God wants us to have it. But when he says get rid of it, get rid of it. Now I can tell you right now I don't have 100 houses. I just I barely have one, and uh, and uh, I I remember God answering my prayer. I wanted that house we're living. In. I did. I was I was praying for it. We're still up and down. Hallelujah! I prayed God give me the house. You know, Amen. I was even weeping about it. I'm t- I was weeping before God. We need a house. You know, where we've been for the last so many years. And, uh. Now I'm weeping over the payments. Oh, God. <laughs> you still got to pay for it. Thank God for the Veterans Administration. Thanks, God, for no money down. Thank God for the 2.25% interest rate I still got, Brother Chuck. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Not from his bank. I'm sorry, i was not going there. You don't know that. But he knows what I'm talking about. I checked with him before I refinanced. So I just told him what I was doing. Hallelujah. But I'll tell you what. Compared to what the interest rate is now, 2.25% ain't bad. But if God tells me to get rid of it, I would. I know what it's like to live in less. I don't mind. God is my source, and we have to see that God is our source. We can't be tied to our possessions. And yet, we have to understand, getting back to the lesson here, that God has certainly entrusted certain possessions to certain individuals. Some more, some less. And other people, states, governments, kings, are not permitted to take that property without due process of law. It's that way in every civilized country, especially where people obey the laws, or used to. You can't own anything if you if the law doesn't protect your property or you. And God from the get-go, from the very beginning, wanted these laws laid down to protect his people and protect their possessions. Nobody could take it away without due process of law. Not even in the history, if you remember in 2 Kings, King Ahab wanted to take over Naboth's vineyard that was right next to his castle. He said, I want that I want that vineyard, Naboth. Sell it to me. I'll give you a fair price. I'll give you more than what it's worth. Just give me that vineyard. And Naboth said, "No way, King. It's my possession. It's in my family. It's been a to me. And the law of God says I can't sell it to you." What does he do? He goes back to his room, mopes around, and his wife Jezebel from you know up the you know the Sidon, the king of Sidon's daughter, and she said, "What's the matter, baby?" Well. <laughs> Naboth wouldn't sell me his land. And you know the story. She, she gets two false witnesses, calls the elders of the village where he's from there, close to, that, to the palace, and tells them, get me two sons of Beli, get me two false witnesses, lie against him. And we'll talk about that commandment next lesson. Lie against him, stone him to death. And they did. And then he, she goes and tells the king, Ahab, her husband, now go take the land. Was that due process? No. Lying, cheating, stealing. Now, I'm getting to that point. A lot of times when you steal, it ends up hurting people. by more than just taking what they have, you many times take more. You take their life. You assault them. So God is interested in stopping sin in the beginning before he even gets, it even gets to the worst the worst position, a worst result. But nobody could take with that due process of law. And and Ahab tried to, even though the law of God was clear, he couldn't do it except by cheating, by stealing, and by killing. Of course, God had the last word, as you know, prophesied against Ahab and against Jezebel, and they paid dearly with their life. That's for another study. Stealing, the Hebrew word ganab, means to take another person's property without permission or legal right and without intending to return it. This also includes cheating many times. It means to, you know, it's it's, it's cheating, which is to act dishonestly or unfairly to gain something, such as cheating on the taxes. (laughs) That's stealing from the government how come how come it's theirs? Well, you know, Jesus asked the question, is it is it right to pick, you know, pay taxes? Oh, you hypocrites, give me that money. Come on, who, who give me a piece of money? He said, Yeah. Who's in, whose subscription is this? whose, whose image is it? It's says Caesar's. Uh-huh. Well, rendering to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the things to God that are God's. So pay your taxes. Romans 13 has a lot to say about that too to us Christians, right? Pay your taxes and pay your face share. Pay what the the rates are. You don't like it, vote for some other people that have a better tax policy in mind. We're in a democracy. But don't cheat on your taxes. That's stealing. And stealing shows disrespect for property and for human life. That's in your outline, by the way. And many times, stealing leads to... More lawlessness, assault, and murder often accompany stealing. And stealing always causes some havoc and even devastation. Stealing can bankrupt families, bankrupt companies, bankrupt communities, and, and even nations. Look at what's happening in some of these places in San Francisco. They're closing up shop. Walgreens are shutting their doors. There's many other stores, diamond shops and other clothing lines and everything. They're closing up shop. Why? They're being robbed blind. They, they run in there and grab everything they got. They can't keep on business. Stealing devastates people. It devastates communities. So what? Those people can afford it, right? Really? Well, where do you think the city gets their money to pay their police force, uh, their social programs? Where do they get the money to support the, 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 the infrastructure of that city? And if they leave town, where are they going to get that money from? The federal government. Sometimes that's the case. True. Hallelujah. What I'm 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 telling you that? Why I'm telling you is because it's an illustration of how it wreaks havoc in society. Stealing affects communities, and stealing always causes loss, both for the victim and for the thief. The victim loses whatever object or substance or some intangible things of value in the physical and emotional realm. Because, you know, some things of value are valuable money-wise, monetarily, but also has a great, you know, emotional attachment to it. Somebody passes down to you a diamond ring or something that that is, is, is an heirloom that comes down through several generations. It's more than just the value of the of that ring in, in money and dollars and cents. It's, it's also something that that is 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 tangible reaching back to several generations. And you're touching that generation through that item. And it means a lot to you. And it devastates a victim is is devastated by that emotionally. And I, I remember in Hungary, we were violated. We had, we had a break-in, and we came home one night, and we, and we found out, we interrupted the thieves, and they jumped out the front window when we came home from the back, and every one of our rooms, they went through every one of them, ransacked everything, took everything out of the cupboards, put everything out of our closets, and threw on the, whole, on, on the, on the center of the floor in every room, and every room we went to, big piles of stuff, all the stuff piled up. Passports, they had our passports at home. Thank God they didn't take our passports. It would been a nightmare to try to replace. But I remember the open windows and the silence, and I remember that that incredible, devastating emotional letdown. And that I can't even describe it to you. It's just it's just an incredible feeling of violation. We've been violated. As a victim. But the thief loses too. He loses his reputation. He loses his integrity. He loses his character. Both before God and man. And unless he repents and turns from his sin. He loses his soul. See and this is the subject. Of the 8th commandment that we're talking about tonight. Stealing has been a problem for society. As long as man has been around on earth. God gave this commandment because he cares for man. In fact, so much so that he wants to protect everything that concerns man, both his life and his property. He cares about that. He was concerned about this in ancient times, and, and he's still concerned about it today in the 21st century. It was wrong to steal an ancient world, and it's still wrong to steal today. Somebody said Amen. We read it in the Old Testament. We just read from Exodus 20, 15. Thou shalt not steal. It was wrong. Stealing was wrong. But we read it about it in New Testament too. Ephesians 4, 28, written to the church. Let him, that steal, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, let him work, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. You know, when you do things the right way, then God will bless what you're doing, and you'll not only have enough to meet your needs, you'll also have enough to give somebody else when they're in need. That's the will of God. And If you're a good steward of things, then you work hard and, and you, you, you're a good steward over your money and, and you give your tithes and your offerings to the Lord, God will bless what you have, and you'll have not only just enough to pay your bills and get by on it, but you'll have overage and excess to be able to help somebody else. And when it's your turn to go through times of difficulty, somebody else will reach out and help you. See, stealing is a natural sin. It's a natural sin. Why do I say that? Because it's in human nature to want the things that we don't have. And interestingly, this desire for more things can really take a form of action which results in stealing. But God has made man a working being, and a being who must work and, and produce and achieve and accomplish and possess. And his desire to move ahead and progress is planted in man by God. And this is the reason that we desire things that we don't have. This desire is natural. That's why I said it's a natural sin. It's, it's God-given what did, he do? did God give us, you know, the means that he, he's making us sin? No, no, no. He puts the desire in us to get things and to achieve things, but to do it the right way, not the wrong way. The legitimate ways to fulfill that desire by work for what we want and for what we can achieve in life. To fulfill that desire, you got to work. And the wrong way. Is to steal. Stealing is a heart problem, as we see with many of the other sins we've already covered. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, we read, For out of the heart, Jesus speaking here, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts. Thefts. Out of the heart proceed thefts, false witness, blasphemies. See even the next one coming up. Bearing false witness. Out of the heart. The heart, above all things, is desperate and wicked. And who can know it? So the cause, the source of stealing, is found in the human heart. And stealing begins with this desire, a passion, a lust, an uncontrollable urge and a coveting within man. And when that thought and desire is planted and, and it takes root, and when it conceives and is carried out, the person steals. They don't have to, but a lot of times that's what they do. where you don't have that restraint. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And that's why God says in James 1, 14 and 15, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Interestingly, stealing was the first sin committed by the human race It's when Eve took the forbidden fruit. Did she not? She took that which was not hers. And when the, Genesis 3:6, and when a woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof. She took what didn't belong to her. God said you can eat every fruit out of the, the garden here except that tree right there. That is mine. You, you can't touch it. You can't take it. I don't want you to eat out, out of it. Of course, enter Satan comes the temptation, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, come kicking in right with it. And when it conceived, she reached forth and took that fruit. She stole. She stole from God. And she did eat and gave unto her husband, her husband with her, and he did eat. Stealing was not only the first Sin committed by the human race was the first record of sin by Israel after entering the promised land. Canaan, when Achan stole, he stole the spoils of war from Jericho, which God declared ahead of time. Everything in there belonged to him. And remember, there's the first of ten cities. That's the tithe. The first of ten, the tenth. That's so why God said, That's mine. And did you touch anything there? You're gonna be accursed. All the gold, all the silver, all the garments, everything he got, sheep, cattle, whatever's there is mine. It's the first of 10 big cities you're going to be occupying and, 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 and declaring victory over. And That is mine. Don't touch it. Achan had other thoughts. Joshua 7, 21. And, and by his own confession, he says, when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment. And 200 shekels of silver. And a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them. And took them. There we go. I stole from God. I took them and behold. They are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent. And the silver under it. First sin in the garden. First sin. You come into the promised land. In fact, on the next battle, they went, as you know, to Ai, they lost 30-some men, and Joshua laid before them all day long, he said, God, what do we do wrong? And he said, get up, they're sitting in the camp. They had to cast lots, and they came on Achan, and he confessed, by his own confession, when I saw, God, I had men that were so good, it's free for the taking, nobody will know, except the next time they went to battle, 36 people died, and they say, what happened? Fell to the ground fasting and praying. And that's when God spoke, and that's how they came to it. See, you may not be discovered right away, but eventually it'll catch up with you. If you don't make it right, if you don't fess up, you don't. I'm telling you, it'll catch up with you. Hallelujah. As the Bible also says your sin shall surely find you out. You know, it's interesting in John 12 6, Judas is is called a thief who was Jesus' treasurer. He had the bag. And Interestingly, stealing was the first recorded sin to defile the early church. And I use defile loosely. But the early church, when they were in revival, as Ananias and Sapphira held back of the money from the sale of their property, that money that was pledged to be given to the church. We read about it and laid the foundational work in in Acts chapter 4, And how this spirit of giving swept the church. But chapter 5 verse 1 begins with this story about Ananias and Sapphira. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. No problem. And kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it or an agreement with uh, with her husband. And brought a certain part, a certain portion of the price. And laid it at the apostles' feet. And the thing was that they may believe and told the lie that that's all we got that we're giving everything that we got for the land but peter said verse three ananias why has satan filled thine heart to lie to the holy ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land whilst it remained while it was in your possession in your hand was it not thine own nobody told you to You know, that you couldn't hold back the money. It's all right to hold back the money, but it's not okay to make a pledge or make a vow. And then when it comes to paying it, you hold back and you lie to God, you lie to us. And you want the credit, you want your name on that gold brick, you know, going to that temple, whatever, you know, a building fund. But you really haven't given what you pledged. I'm not talking about she's for Christ here, mind you, okay? Those aren't the... That's not what it is, although that's important too, really. If you and We call them pledges, but look. If it's a vow before the Lord, it's important. And God pays attention to it, okay? Uh, and we see from the story in Acts, Acts chapter 5, I'm talking about Holy Ghost revival. The church is booming and growing. And all of a sudden... You got, you know, Ananias dropping dead. Here's the verse 4: whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart that thou hast lied? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose and wound him up. Carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in three hours later. And Peter answered unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. What was the price? And she said, yeah. She said, yeah, that's, that, was, that was, it was so much. He not notice they didn't even give the amount. The amount is not the issue. Is that they, they conspired to lie when they didn't have to. But only because they wanted the money, they want to hold on to some of it. And it would have been all right. But if you did, don't make a pledge. I'm going to give everything, you know, I get for it. Lord, I'm going to give you everything that, 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 that somebody buys this thing off of me. I'm going to give it all to your work. All right? But you, you, you pledge that. Be careful. Then Peter said unto her, verse 9, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband at the, are at the door and shall carry thee out. Ooh. She fell down straight away to his feet, at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young man came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon all as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Hallelujah. How would you like to have a revival like that this weekend? Two people drop dead. Brother Green comes. You and you. You're guilty of this commandment or that commandment. So, uh. ah, boom. We go out and invite people. Hey, come to our church. You come, come alive. Hey. People drop dead. I mean, you talk about fear, the fear of God. Hey, we've got it. No sin in our church. <laughs> We're afraid not to confess anything. Hallelujah. Somebody say, praise the Lord. The bottom line is God takes our vows seriously. If you make a vow to God, then you hold, and then you hold back or defer, as the Bible says. God looks on that as stealing from him. And that which you promise to give him. This is why Ecclesiastes 5, 4 through 5 says this. When thou vowest, announce not wow, as in W-O-W. Wow. Now when you vow, when you V. It's hard for me as an Easterner to say because the wow and the V's, you know, I'll kind of mix up. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. In other words, don't delay and don't change your mind. Defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldst not vow. Than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Nothing wrong with not making a vow, but if you make it, follow through with your word, especially if you claim God as your Savior. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, for whatsoever is more of that is sin. And uh, we're all, all acts of, of, of stealing are wrong. But then there's that one form of stealing that's serious and egregious. And that is when we rob God. A person robs God when he or she fails to pay his tithes and offering to God, right? Now, we're talking to Christians. We're, we're in-house. We're, we're a, a family. And this, this church is a giving church. It's, it's a faithful church. Amen. But if you're struggling with this, I'm telling you, God looks at your finances seriously and mine. I'm not exempt. Never have been. But before you want to, you know, you get higher up in the Lord, we're talking about greater things. You want to do greater things in, 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 in God? You better be faithful in the things that you know that you should be doing. Why should He give you more of His knowledge and His power if you misuse all, what you already know and what you already have? Malachi 3, 7-9, even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them returning to me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? What have we done wrong? And so the prophet says, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? He says, in tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me. Even this whole nation. Have to understand Malachi's time, they're still coming, they're recovering from the, from the exile into Babylon, and, and they're still slow in, in, in getting back to the old practices, uh, back to the law, back to the rules of Moses. You know, the temple is rebuilt already, and they have a priesthood, but you know, the priests are, are barely passing by, and they can't maintain the building. Why? Because people aren't paying the tithes. The Levites are starving, and they say, eh, Let God provide. Well, He did. Through his financial plan, everybody give their tithes. when well, well, God said, you robbed me. And than that, not, not talk, the subject is still stealing, and this is stealing also from God's perspective, not mine. I have nothing to do with this. You have nothing to do with it either. Me, all we, all we have is God's principles and teaching, and our part is to obey it. My job is to teach it and obey it. and I do that. And granted, when it comes to stealing, there's other things. But I, I told you that, that one of the most egregious and one of the most serious forms, particularly to a believer, but, but there's other forms of stealing, too, like shoplifting, not paying your bills, keeping some things that you borrowed and you never give back. Hello? I guess some people thinking, "Ooh, let's see, who do I owe something? What did I borrow from somebody?" Amen. You know, I had a (laughs) videotape, and it wasn't this. I was cleaning up my house. I had about nine videotapes from Sister Sister Ann Burroughs. I said, "Oh my goodness!" I called, I texted Sister Ann. I got these nine videos VCR. You want these tapes back? She said, "Yeah." Put them in my bag and brought them back. Um, you know what's not worth missing hell, uh, heaven over? Right? It wasn't that wasn't that thing, you know. I'm sure she would have forgiven me. That's not the issue. But, you know, when I got saved, even in the Air Force, when I was a young Christian, you know, in the in government, they issued pins left and right. You got them by the boxes. And wherever you went, you, you took one with you, took it home, and you forgot to lay down at work. When I got saved, I was afraid to take even a pin. It says U.S. government on there. Well, I'm a government representative. I've been working in the office all the time. I, didn't, no way. I got. I got saved. I said, oh, "Thou shalt not steal." Whew, ain't worth going to hell. You know, for that one little pen. I'm, I'm leaving it. Shoplifting. Mm-mm. Not paying your bills. Not paying your debts. Credit cards. Loans. Well. Not paying your taxes. Cheating on your taxes many more. The list is endless. I'm coming down to the end of my list. Hallelujah. Hey, listen, stealing and cheating is a serious crime. It's a serious matter. So the person who steals and cheats, you know what happens? Places his own life in mortal danger. Listen to Proverbs 21, 6. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro Of them that seek death. you stealing. You make a life of stealing. You're really putting your life on the line. The person who steals shows that he has forgotten God. If he ever knew him. Ezekiel 22 and 12. That's speaking to Israel who forgot God. Before their judgment came, and says, In thee have they taken gifts to shed blood. Thou hast taken usury and increase. And thou hast greedily gained of thy neighbor neighbors by extortion, and hast forgotten me, saith the Lord God. You know we do these wrongs that we know it's wrong, and it catches up with us, and and we do it when we do it, and we don't we either neglect or we forget that there's a God that's watching, and that there are consequences for our behavior. And so God plainly says, you're stealing, you're doing wrong, you're extorting money out of people, listen, you're acting like somebody that has forgotten me or has never known me. In fact, in John 10, 10, basically we know that a person who steals is somebody who's followed right along in the footsteps of Satan. But Jesus said, the thief cometh not but for to steal." To kill and to destroy. That's Satan. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. It's the devil's business to come and steal. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to uh, rob your salvation. He wants to steal your righteousness. Uh, He wants to to steal your heavenly route. And you become a thief. You are walking right in his footsteps. The person who steals causes economic hardship for the victim. Leviticus 19.13, that's why God says in Leviticus 19, Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. In other words, for employers, if you're an employer or a boss, you got got somebody you're paying. He says, when it's time to pay, don't wait until tomorrow. Say, you know what, Just, just give me until next week. An employer or a boss that consistently does that is not a good boss. It's violating a biblical principle. And if you're an employee in a place of employment that, that constantly does that, you better quit that job and find another one. Ask God to give you something better. But if you're the employer and, and you're holding back, that's a no-no. Employers are to pay the workers when it's due. Amen. Amen. How do, the person who steals will eventually lose everything they have and they prove that he's a fool. Jeremiah 17 11, As the partridge sitteth on eggs and hatcheth them not, so he that getteth riches, and not by right, not the right way, or not because you know, he, he deserves it, shall leave them in the midst of his days and at his end shall be a fool. Lose everything. Prove he's a fool. In Proverbs 22:16 we see that a person who steals from the poor will become poor himself. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches and he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want. He'll be in need himself, poverty stricken. And Exodus 22:1 tells us that the person who steals is to make restitution. It's recompense for injury or loss. Restitution. If a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for one ox and four sheep for a sheep or one sheep. That was just one example of what a person, a thief, is supposed to do in restoration for uh, his crime when he stole from someone. Exodus 22, 7 says, If a man shall deliver on his neighbor money or stuff to keep, and it be stolen out of the man's house, if the thief be found, let him pay double. You're taking care of money for somebody else, and all of a sudden it's gone. You owe twice as much to the the one who, who you say you're going to guard your money. The person who steals, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 certainly not inherit the kingdom of God. One who makes it a habit, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, nor abusers themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous. That's commandment 10. On that one, covetous. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. You see this relationship between old and new? The Ten Commandments are not out of date. Are you kidding me? You know, the laws in this country that was laid down in the Constitution, uh, when James Madison was asked, he said, you know, uh, this, this, this Constitution is for a godly people and it's totally inadequate for anybody else. Certain things that they assumed that, that everybody feels and, and knows uh, is, is true. Everybody, you know, the founding father said, Everybody believes in the Bible. We're going to go by the biblical thing. That's why you don't find any, anything in the Constitution about marriage between, uh, being between a, a, a man and a woman. Everybody assumed. That's why everybody believed. And if you're an ungodly person, well, there's the school of thought that says, well, if it's not in the Constitution, that means we can do it. When you forget that the Constitution was written to limit the powers of government, federal government, state government, and local government. Why? Because we were a people desiring to be free after coming away from Great Britain. Hallelujah. And even though in the beginning there was slavery in half the states, It was ended, and a big war was fought to end it to complete the big ideal that all men were created equal and the limitation of a federal government. Hallelujah. Just a little historical tidbit. But the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Thieves will be left out. So when you look at the Eighth Commandment, Altogether, we find that it has purpose. It has purpose. Now, first of all, is to protect a person's property and his right to own property. Another purpose, to preserve peace among neighbors and within society. You know, stealing always leads to bad feelings. You steal from somebody, steal from your neighbor, especially somebody know. I'm telling you, you'll never be be the same with them again. They steal from you. They lie to you. It'll never be the same again. But at least the bad feelings, broken relationships, even sometimes revenge, that's a bad deal. But people, people are people. We're human. We're fallen beings. And when we're hurt and when a thief comes, Some people do crazy things. And so in order to maintain this peace and tranquility uh, and this well-being in our community, God decreed that we have a personal responsibility to help our neighbor, our neighbors, and to respect their property. This is why we read in Deuteronomy chapter 20 Now I'm coming to a close. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 1 through 4. It says, if you see your neighbor's ox or a sheep wandering away, don't pretend not to see it. Now, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way, NLT. Don't pretend not to see it. Take it back to its owner. Don't say, oh, here's a little a nice little animal. He's wandered over to my, my, my side of the fence. God has blessed me. You know, he's got your neighbor's stamp on his rear end. Hallelujah. It belongs to somebody else. He knows your neighbor's. Oh, no, but he wandered on my property. He's mine. God says, "Uh uh-uh. You got a responsibility to your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. So he says, take it back to its owner. Verse 2, if it does not belong to someone nearby and you don't know who the owner is, keep it and feed it. Now I'm adding to it. Keep it, feed it, water it, take care of it, clean up after it. Keep it until the owner comes looking for it. God's law. Then return it. Do the same if you find your neighbor's donkey or clothing or anything else your neighbor loses. Don't pretend you did not see it. And if you see your neighbor's ox or donkey lying on the road, do not look the other way. Go and help your neighbor get it to his feet. Who's my neighbor? Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, it's interesting. As I was reading this, uh, and honestly, this was just a little... Observation of mine. But when I was uh, looking, see, it, it, this, this, this um, whatever we see here in Exodus 21 is also repeated elsewhere in Deuteronomy. And then when you get to Deuteronomy, let me get there real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 22, this is what we have been reading, verse 1 and 2. Let me read the King James Version. Thou shalt not see thy brother's ox or sheep go astray and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt in any case bring him, bring them again unto thy brother. And if thy brother be not nigh unto thee, or if thou know him not, then thou shalt bring it unto thine own house, and it shall be with thee until thy brother seek after it. And thou shalt restore it to him again. In the like manner shalt thou do with his ass, and his donkey, and so shalt thou do with his raiment, and with all lost thing of your brother's which he has lost and thou hast found shall do likewise. Thou mayest not hide thyself. In other words, pretend like you don't see it. And then verse 4, we read that too. We saw, thou shalt see thy brother's ass or his ox fall down by the way and hide thyself so from that shall surely help him, lift him up again. And then comes verse 5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man neither shall a man put on a woman's garment for all that do so are an abomination to the Lord thy God. How does that fall into line? And all of a sudden hit me. Stealing is taking that which doesn't belong to you. And really, he's talking about identity theft. Dressed like a woman and you're a man, you're stealing somebody else's identity. You're a woman and you're dressing like a man, you're stealing his identity. And identity theft, the last i seen, was a crime. At least in the human realm, it's limited to certain other areas. That's why we have hundreds of passwords, right, protecting our, our, our online accounts. How many, How many has ever been... A victim of identity theft. Hallelujah. Not pleasant. Identity theft. That's why. That's why I pay LifeLock every year. Hallelujah. Shall we stand? Ephesians four twenty-eight. I repeat again. Let him that stole. Steal no more. Praise God. Repent and make it right. I'm so glad I belong to Jesus. You know that song? We're not going to sing it. (laughs) But we're going to sing. Oh, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay he put a song in my soul today a song of his praise hallelujah sing it again, aren't you glad he brought you out of the miry clay hallelujah you know every one of us were thieves and liars at one time or another we were, I remember when I was a kid I remember stealing coins out of my uncle's pocket so I can go buy me candy he was, he I was looking for him to come on. My uncle, God rest his soul, he was a veterinarian back in Hungary. I used to go with him in the collective farms. And he used to operate on, on cows. He used to watch him. He had gloves, goes all the way up his shoulder. You remember going in there, cutting up on the cow's neck, and reaching in there and it his cut, and getting out a handful of nails because this cow, he chewed up a bunch of nails that was inside the hay. But my uncle, he had a drinking problem. And uh, many times at nights he'd go to the bar. He'd drink, and his favorite drink was the fritch, as they called it in Hungarian. A little bit of wine, a little bit of soda water. It was a cheap drink, cheap alcohol. But drank himself every night. Somebody had to bring him home drunk. When he was drunk, he'd have to change of different things laying around and he'd have it in his pockets. I looked through his pockets. I got a two in piece. I remember to this day. I took that two florins out and went and bought some. I can't remember what I bought. I wasn't even eight—about eight years old, maybe seven years old. The pastor was a thief. Yeah. I'm so glad he brought me out of the Murray Clay. That's why I say... He brought me out. lift our hands. Thank you, Jesus, for the word. I pray let it just get deep in our hearts and let it just sink into our minds. Let us just think about what you have taught us. Let it carry with us as we leave this place. Let it share as we see everyone around us. Let it just shine like light. We thank you for what you've done, what you will do. And I pray, God, keep us protected until we meet again. All these things we pray in the mighty name of Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.